Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and I love when we get to Friday because we get to talk to folks from all over and also We've got a full mailbag here, Brian. We've got a lot of questions that have come in, and many of them are, are really kind of fun to get into, too, just from the standpoint of we've got tissue tests, we've got some fresh soil tests, we've got a lot of things going on in fields everywhere. Yep, we do. So before we get to the Ag PhD mailbag, I just wanted to let you know this morning I got to speak on a webinar to a bunch of ag students from across the country. It was a lot of fun, and I just told them, you know, Agriculture, I think, is one of the most fun and exciting fields you can possibly be in because there's so much change, there's so much need for good information, for advancement, and I mean, it's it's just it has changed so much in the last really ten years, five years. But when you're starting out and you're going to get out of college. It may seem a little bit overwhelming. It just takes some time. Stick with it. But I think agriculture, when you're involved in ag as a farmer, as an agronomist, it's one of the n- most noble professions you can possibly find. And if you do your job well, everybody benefits. The world benefits. So we have a lot of responsibility in agriculture to try to deliver more and better food all the time. And I know our farmers across North America are certainly up for that challenge. So I I just, I really try to encourage young people all the time, stay in agriculture because a lot of our great people from ag, unfortunately, leave to go to other industries where, let's face it, maybe it's a little easier, the pay is a little more guaranteed, whatever it is. But I, I was just trying to impress upon these ag students that, look, what you're going to do with your life means something to the world. Stick with it. It's a lot of fun, especially once you get into it. You learn a little bit more. You become more of an expert. You have a little more success. Then things get even more fun. But it just takes time. We only have, like in our geography here, we raise one crop per year. That's it. So we have one business cycle per year. So it takes a little time to learn some of these things. But it is really a lot of fun. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right. This uh, first question comes from Kirk in Northeast Texas. He said uh, he sent a couple of soil samples here. He said, these represent five acre grids on 75 acres. The first four lines on this report are my hay field. And I want to focus my efforts this year on getting that particular field fine-tuned. I want to get to a 6% base saturation K. I want my pH to be 5.5 or 6 for Bahia grass. And I also want to get my phosphorus up to 100 parts per million. Now, the first thing I noticed, Brian, let me just stop right there. He's got some goals. Look at what the cation exchange capacity is and talk about this. Are these realistic goals for that type of soil? Well, you just said he wants to get to certain levels for nutrients. That's a realistic goal for every type of soil. Okay. What about in a four to six CEC? Okay, yep, he's got as low as 4.8 and as high as 8.8 for cation exchange capacity. So that's a lighter soil. So I don't. 8.8 is not the field that we're on, though. He was just talking about the top four. Okay, 4.8 to 7.3. But anyway, the point is will phosphorus leach out of light soil? 
it, you'd have to have a crazy amount to get out. 40 you said phosphorus we get 40 down. to 50 inches of rain Don't between care. now and next spring yep phosphorus isn't leaching that's not going anywhere now on the potassium can that leach out to some degree sure it can but when you have light soil it doesn't take very much potassium to change your base saturation k for example he's at 2.3 percent base saturation k with only 43 parts per million of potassium. If we wanted to get in our heavy soil 2.3% uh, base saturation K, we'd have to be 250 or 300 parts per million of potassium. So my point is he can get those levels up higher without a lot of cost. And am I worried about losing it? No, because the crop's going to use that much. I mean, a, a good big crop. So anyway, what? so... Go ahead, Darren. What 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 what's the what's his okay. question? Okay, so let me dive into the rest then. He wants to build soil levels up. He said next year he's planning on doing one acre grid spacings. He said, Don't beat me up on uh, that I don't have a full report or whatever with the micros. I'm I'm gonna get to one acre grids next year here. Uh, he said the overall plan is to get the hay ground corrected and then the cattle grazing on that, the manure is gonna get better, and as he's spreading the manure out onto other fields, he's hoping to add some that's fertility right. that way. Yep, that's right. And he said uh, he's got a question. Potassium, magnesium, sulfur. Uh, he said, I need that. Can I apply enough granular K-mag to meet my magnesium requirement for the crop but not end up with too much sulfur? He's worried about will sulfur build up if he applies a high amount of of magnesium out there? And no. that light of soil, no. I just can't no. see it. No. Uh, then he said, also, um, uh, he'd like to use a couple of products. Let's see. Uh he plans to lightly disc in these uh, fertility ad additives this fall. And then he said 40 to 50 inches of rain between fall and spring in northeast Texas where he's at. Yeah, so with something like sulfur, and he's also really low on boron, you yeah, have to be a little bit— the last one. I missed that. He said, I plan to add boron on my herbicide pass since he's low in it, but it does rain a lot, and he, he's really concerned that one's going to leach. Yeah, all right. So first of all, we can't let— the fear of leaching stop us from fertilizing the crop needs the fertilizer and while things leach keep in mind boron doesn't leach nearly as fast as what nitrate does and by the way all nitrogen is not nitrate so while nitrogen can leach relatively quickly when you get lots of rain in light soil ammonium nitrogen does not the ammonium nitrogen is going to stick around so we just want to keep the nitrogen in the ammonium form longer you can spoon feed nitrogen Sulfate leaches at about half the rate of nitrate, and boron leaches even slower than that. So, nevertheless, with sulfur and boron and nitrogen, because we've got light soil, because there's a lot of rainfall, I do suggest spring applications when the crop's going to use those soon, rather than putting them on in the fall. In our geography, when we're froze all winter, there is no leaching. There's no such thing when, when the ground's completely frozen, nothing can move anywhere. So putting it on in the fall is just as good as in the spring, even in lighter soils in my geography. Well, we'll get to more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag here on a Farmer Friday next. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. I've got an axe to grind. I hate bromes. Brome grasses can be brutal on winter wheat yields. If you really want to give winter wheat a fighting chance, be brutal right back with Prepare Burn Down Herbicide. Adding Prepare to your glyphosate extends brome control for up to 21 days, giving young wheat the weed-free head start it needs to make something of itself. Because the cleaner the field, the higher the yield. Talk to your retailer or visit preparewinterwheat.com and always read and follow label directions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show today. If you want to talk about what's happening on your farm, if you've got agronomic questions and decisions to make, we'd love to help you with that too. Again, 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Colorado first. We've got Kevin with us right now. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you, Darren? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. This time of year, usually when we're talking to somebody in Colorado or Western Kansas, it's all about, my goodness, it's hot and dry. What are conditions like in your area? Uh, you pretty much will nail it. Um, it's it's dry. You know, we've been, we get rains, but they're just nothing big. You know, we need a good soaker. We just haven't had that. Um, but, and it's, thankfully it's cooled off earlier in the summer. It was pretty brutal, but it's, if got a little more moderate here lately we're gonna have a hot few days here but uh it is what it is like you say it goes with the territory being out here <laughs> but uh, we're keeping the pivots running and the wells running on the irrigated and and trying to make sure everything stays going so we don't lose any time there and uh just keeping busy keeping busy doing what we can we can't control the weather that's not our job so no no but but fortunately on the irrigated ground you can control the water so talk to us about that a little bit as you're putting on water are you monitoring uh water quality changes throughout the season are you just flat out trying to get as many gallons out there as you can what what's the strategy right now right now i mean we you know our our crop scout probes every every monday and we see what we are ahead of the pivot and behind the pivot. And, uh, right now we're just, we're just trying to keep up where by the time the pivot gets around, we're needing water. And so it's, it's a matter of just, you know, there's, we've had maybe one pivot or so or two pivots where we can kind of shut off and shove water somewhere else. Um, but, uh, it is a matter of just keeping, keeping going and keeping pumping. And, you know, these little showers that we get, it, it kind of gives you a little time. And if you can catch a cool day, it gives you a little time, you know, your, your evapotranspiration rates go down. And so that helps. Uh, but it's, it's just a matter of 
making sure the wells stay running at this point. And, you know, we've got our corn finished pollinating and, you know, so we're going to be getting into trying to grain fill and our, our edible beans are some, some pods are set, some are still blooming. So it's, we're, we're at a critical time for water. So there's no, there's no taking a break from it. You know, keep it going. When when you're getting those pip, pivots going around, are you trying to put on an inch or are you trying to put on a half inch? What are you trying to shoot for? Does it vary by crop as well? Yeah, the the, the corn, we're usually around an inch and a half on a pass. And the, the edible beans, it's usually about an inch and a quarter. And then some of that depends on, like on a sandier pivot, where you just don't have the water holding capacity, there's no sense in just dumping water it's just going to go straight through the, the, the profile you know so we might put a little less on there it it's so we're not just wasting it you know but usually um depending on the size of the well and how fast you can get around we're kind of in that inch and a half per revolution on corn and you know we're five to seven days on a revolution and then the beans just don't have quite as deep of a root system so we put on a little put a little less on with them so when it comes to variable rate irrigation, Kevin, are, are your fields relatively consistent where you're just varying based on, well, this field I do an inch and a half and this one I only do three quarters of an inch, or are you varying throughout parts of that field as you go across? For the most part, it's it's just on a whole field basis. We don't, uh, we don't have any of the, the pivots really set up to do um, much of the variable rate throughout the field. Um, like sometimes we'll have a you know a wiper where it doesn't make a full revolution; it just goes back and forth. And you might set it up where you're going to be going past and then back and right back up on top of it. But um, by and large, on a, on a whole field basis, you just kind of have to uh, you set it and set it for what you think the whole field's kind of going to need at, at this stage. Well, hopefully you can catch some natural rain out there, too, to, to kind of help things along a little bit. But, man, it is a lot of work keeping those pivots running. I know that for sure. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck here the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet. Let's head up to North Dakota. we got Ryan with us right now. All right, Ryan, uh, do you guys have any irrigation up there where you're at? Are you farming dry land? We are dry land. There's just there's one little ridge that there's probably five, six pivots is all that the guys are able to use and it's, it's great for them because they can do some seed stock potatoes on it with the isolation but other than that that is the only pivots in our county i believe well how are you holding up for moisture then on your dry land stuff depends uh, we went in really wet uh, we got probably 75 percent of our acres seeded just from last year's rain and snow events and then really June, it shut off, and we were we were starting to stress west of me in the lighter land there. You know, they lost yield on it, and we probably lost some tillers on the wheat. So it'll be interesting to see just how much those tillers contribute to final yield because the stands look real thin. But now we've been getting rain again, and we're sitting, we're sitting nice on moisture. You know, we had a half inch the other night, so the soybeans love that the 1st of August. So yeah, absolutely. They're coming around. Okay, so you had that dry spell through June. Were the crops able to, to close the canopy off? Uh, were you able to keep the weeds out, or has that been a struggle this year? You know, we do have the stuff that we sprayed early. We have a lot of second flush weeds, you know, more kosher than I want to see because we were, we were out there spraying because it was time to be sprayed. But 
we hadn't had that early June rain to get that flush going. So, yeah, the early sprayed stuff definitely has some weed pressure. You know, hopefully the pre-harvest will be able to combat some of that. But on the seed production fields that you can't pre-harvest, you know, we're just going to have to fight some of that weed pressure and get it through the combine and then get it conditioned correctly. So what would you say on the crops in your area this year? Are they going to be an average yield overall or or how are you going to fall? You know, and that's, that's where I talked about the tillery. I mean, when I'm out there fungiciding our spring wheat, I'm a little disappointed in the canopy fill. You know, so you hear various different agronomists say how much those tillers can compromise or, you know, make up your yield. And so I... I think we have a good crop out there, but I don't think we have a bumper crop of spring wheat by any means just because of that early thinning. You know, now the soybeans and the canola and the sunflowers, you know, they they like rain all the time, but their yield is made more in July, August. So I think we have a chance for a nice a nice oil seed yield as of yet. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's been a tough uh last couple of years in north dakota especially with all that moisture for a while it's almost a good thing we got a little dry in in june up there just to get some of those acres going are there still fields of corn that guys hadn't been able to get into has everything been kind of cleaned up now in my understanding everything's cleaned up i'm only 20 30 miles from the canadian border so we're not large corn area of the state but you know on our farm we did our corn in march you know, we just didn't do any of it last fall, but we didn't have huge acres, so we could handle it through our drying system in March to sure. get off and out of the way. But, yeah, I know further south of me, they struggled all through probably July to get some of that corn off. And field, I know there are fields of wheat, there are fields of sunflowers, uh, and, and other crops that just never got harvested. Did the snow just take them down, and that was just it, a total loss? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's we had that October 12th, 16 inches of snow up here, and some guys could just never get back in. I mean, we went in after ours after it melted off in November. Um, definitely, when you're trying to scrape wheat flat off the ground up into your header, it's mm. not easy on stuff. We were able to get it done, but, you know, the guys who didn't, there was, you know, a decent amount of burning that they just, you know, you had no choice. In order to get that ground to dry up a little bit, nobody likes to see that residue burnt. But on the other hand, nobody likes to see those fields sit idle either. So it's kind of, which evil do you pick? And, you know, the guys that burnt it off, it did. It dried it off on the top where they were able to get in, get something seeded. Now they got a crop there, it's using up the moisture. So in the end, it probably was the right call. Yeah, tough decisions, no doubt about it. Well, Ryan, thanks. Uh, really appreciate hearing what's going on up in North Dakota. Good luck here. Hopefully you catch some rain the rest of the season here. All right, thank you. Thanks. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll get right back to more calls after this. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. 
There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The Laser. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. I've got an axe to grind. I hate bromes. Brome grasses can be brutal on winter wheat yields. If you really want to give winter wheat a fighting chance, be brutal right back with Prepare Burn Down Herbicide. Adding Prepare to your glyphosate extends brome control for up to 21 days, giving young wheat the weed-free head start it needs to make something of itself. Because the cleaner the field, the higher the yield. Talk to your retailer or visit preparewinterwheat.com and always read and follow label directions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or if you want to give us a crop report, let us know how things are going in your area. We would love to hear from you, too. Let's head down uh, to the St. Louis, Missouri area. We've got Dave with us right now. Dave, thanks for calling in. Hey, thanks for having me on. I just want to give a shout-out to the soybean farmers in our area. They're absolutely clean fields. You can't see anything wrong. I took a long ride with a friend, and we just kept commenting on how clean they were. So oh, that's I awesome. shout out to these guys. I know that in the past they've had all sorts of problems of stuff that's escaping, and they've been a nasty crop, and well, they're just beautiful this year. I hope they get a big high yield with all this rain that we've had. So that's what I got. All right. Well, thanks Give a lot, a Dave. Out. Yeah, really appreciate okay. the call. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's great when you see those clean fields out there. You know that's a key to getting high yield. And I think, Brian, just one comment. This is one thing people forget about. We get a lot of questions about, hey, could I push my NP and K and get a higher yield? Hey, could I have a little better stand out there in my crop? Can I get higher yield? Absolutely, those things help. But if we let the weeds go, oh, my goodness, it's a problem. And there have <laughs> Well, Dave is right on the money. There have been some pretty tough years here lately where we've had a lot of weeds out there. I get a little feedback here from Bob. He said, I can't thank you guys enough as I'm constantly watching and learning from some of the content you're putting out there. Uh, I'm watching some of your YouTube clips daily just to soak in various topics from soil crusting, micros, macros, weeds, etc. Uh, the info you're providing is priceless. I wish your videos were even longer so I could learn even more. Uh, hey, Bob, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And gosh, don't encourage Brian to get any longer rants on things. Otherwise, they, they could get real long, especially if you get into drainage tile or something like that. Got one from Scott here. He said, you guys were talking about continuous corn. Don't know if that's a great idea. Too many weed and pest issues out there. And we were talking about the value of leaving some of that residue in the field. And, and Scott liked that comment. He said, you're starting to think about regenerative ag, and, and we like that. Uh, thanks for your comments there, Scott. You know, the continuous corn is one, though, when you talk about there's there's more weed and more pest resistance issues, and it costs a little money to control that. I agree, but by the same token, I look at some of the farmers across the country winning yield contests, and a lot of those guys are in continuous corn situations. So they've figured out how to manage through that. And I think that, that residue is one key piece that, that you definitely need to work on if you're going to be doing it. Uh, get one from Paul here. He said, I really liked your talk about gibberellic acid. I'm wondering if you have any experience using it for grape seed germination. Cornell University studies have shown that it helps, but the advice seems to be split as to whether it makes a big enough difference to warrant using. Uh, thanks for that, that question and the feedback, Paul, on gibberellic acid as far as improving seed germination. I know this. Uh, I don't have all the answers on gibberellic acid on the seed or in the furrow, but I will say this, we do see a response out of it. I know we did a little bit of work on some stuff this year, and you can certainly put too much on and get a negative response also. So that dosage is going to be going to be real common. And no, we don't have any firsthand experience with grape seed germination. Any comments you want to make on that, Brian, on gibberellic acid? No, nothing to add. All right, uh, I got one from Nick in Ohio, and he said, I've got a weed that's out in my driveway. Roundup kills it, but it keeps coming back. What else can I spray so it doesn't come back as quickly? I have some Esplanade EZ. Would that work? Yeah, that might. Uh, what? So what weed do you think that is, Darren? It looks like purslane, doesn't it, to, to yeah. you? Yeah. I know we see a lot of those. They they if you have any kind of shade uh, out there, they don't come as well. But yeah, when we're talking about spraying yeah. in a driveway, you could definitely use a ground sterilant. Can you talk about that just a little bit and what you might watch out for? Well, first of all, I, I yeah, I, it looks like purslane. There are a lot of these weeds that are in let's say less traveled driveway type areas. So I can think of knotweed. Uh, uh, prostrate pigweed, purslane, all of them somewhat similar. And <laughs> I'll just go back in time. We had some weeds, and I'm trying to think. It was, uh, uh, what weed was that, Darren? That was right south of our hog house. 
Common mallow. Mallow. There we go. And so I'm going around as a as a young person on the farm. One of my jobs was to spray. Oh, I had weeds. a pile of common knot weed right out in front of the barn that yep. Dad wasn't excited about that you killed that one. Yep. Well, he's like, well, that that's holding the soil down, and that's that's reducing erosion for us. Why did you kill that? And I go, well, it's a weed. But let's never forget, a weed is only a plant that's not where we want it to be. What I didn't realize is, yeah, Dad didn't want that plant in our lawn, but he did want that plant by the barn or maybe by the hog house. So maybe in your driveway area, you want the plant to reduce erosion. I don't know. But in terms of how to kill it, yes, Roundup will work. You just want to have a good concentration of Roundup, keep the water volume relatively low, the Roundup rate high. But his whole point here, I think, is just you got to keep spraying and keep spraying because it keeps coming back. Well, obviously, it's going to. Roundup has no residual. Uh, The Esplanade EZ, yep, that will have some activity. That probably is going to work. I don't think there's resistance with that one. There is Hivar. There's Pramatol. There are a number of different ground sterilants that you can use out there. Our fear is always leaching. Our fear is movement with those ground sterilants because we've had that. So we have hills around where we farm and around our farmyard. We've used products like Hivar, Pramatol, and all, all these different ground sterilants. And then if I've got a slope, well, <laughs> with the water, then sometimes that leaches down and now I get streaks out in my grass going down the slope. If I put it on a driveway, can it wash off those rocks and end up down in my ditch? Absolutely it can. So just be real careful with those things. That's why we used to use a lot more ground sterilants than we use today around our farm. In fact, I think I have banned our people from using ground sterilants anymore because I just have seen more problems than not. And also, the rate makes a lot of difference in terms of how long the control is. So, yeah, you have to go spray Roundup, let's call it once a month, every six weeks, whatever you want to do. But with the other product, you might have to spray once every two or three months anyway if you don't put on enough. And if you put on lots, yep, it'll kill stuff in the ground for a while, but now you have more risk for leaching. So, it's just, it's challenging. That's all I'm trying to say. All right. Thanks uh, for the question there. We've got this one from Jackie up in Saskatchewan. Working with a grower in my area who's planning a fall burndown of his field pea crop. The traditional options for this are diquat, saflufenacil, and glyphosate. And he said the past few years, they haven't been very happy with the dry down with any of those options. And they're looking for wait, something else. Wait. So we're talking about a desiccant here. Desiccation. Is that what we're getting at? Because you said burn down. Yep. That's, I think okay, that's so we're, we're talking about a desiccation yep. application. All right. So anyway. All right. So they're thinking about possibly trying liquid 28% nitrogen to aid in the dry down. They're planning on using flat fan nozzles. However, they can't find much information about terminating cover crops and wondering if they did it with liquid 28%, how much of a rate would you need to do? Do you think this would be a good idea, or is there something we could do different? Okay, so, I, it may, and maybe I just didn't hear things right, but it, I thought we were talking about a crop that's, at first, and then we're talking about cover crops? I just read the email, so <laughs> I, I think what we're talking about here is some field peas that are a cover crop. 
And if they're a cover crop, that's a little different than if you're a crop and you're trying to do desiccation on. But it's confusing because it kind of sounds like both. <laughs> well, okay. Let, let's, let's just say this. Let's assume it's just a cover crop and it's not actually being harvested. Then I don't care what you do. So, yeah, if you throw enough 28% out there, is it going to burn the heck out of stuff? Absolutely. And I don't. I also don't know what we're rotating to, what we're going to. So... If it's just cover crop and all we want is a burn down and we just are trying to get it terminated before fall, why don't you go with just Roundup and be super cheap? So Roundup is really inexpensive. So that's that's what I would do. I'd forget about all the rest of the stuff. I'd just kill it all off with Roundup. Now, if it's a desiccation application, then you got to be really careful. There are only certain things that are labeled. I hate desiccation if you go too early because then you actually hurt yield so you got to be really careful we'll probably talk more about this after this break you're listening to ag phd radio success isn't just about maintaining your operation how you make out for the season or how much you can get from each acre it's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2Save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the end zone fan control system from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The end zone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the end zone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. 
How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open if you would like to call, talk about how crops are in your area, or if you have any agronomic questions for us, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, AgPhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. All right, Brian, uh, just before the break, we had a question about burning down some Field peas, not sure if they're a cover crop or a crop out there. It sounds to me like they're a cover crop and we're trying to terminate that cover crop. No, no. He just said he's got, he read, all he can find for information is about oh, okay. killing okay. cover crops. Ah, I see the confusion. So, yep. So he's, he, it says again here, he's planning a, we're planning a fall burn down of field peas. So I can't stress this enough. I, I said it before the break. I want to say it again. I'm not a fan of desiccation at all. If I have to use it, I have to use it. Okay. But if we can, I just, I like to let stuff naturally die because then we have just so much better yield most of the time. So be really careful about when you're timing that. That's my number one fear all the time. But anyway, yeah, so there are other products that can be used. And basically the question is, will throwing liquid nitrogen help? Uh, throwing ni- ni- liquid nitrogen with one of these burn down herbicides help? Well, it will not help glyphosate. It will hurt glyphosate. So I absolutely wouldn't do it with glyphosate. Now, when you're talking about something like uh, uh, Sharpen, Diquat, uh, Gramoxone, any of those things... Would adding 28% provide a little bit more burn? Yes, it would. Uh, so would crop oil or especially methylated But not oil. by themselves. Mm, You'd have to have them with the herbicide. Yeah, uh, that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah adding it with, the her- with those types of contact killers, not glyphosate, but those contact killers, Diquat, Gramoxone, Sharpen, Valor, adding 28% would help that. But... I got to be honest, I don't even, I, I don't know anybody that does that. I haven't had, I, I, I'd have to even look at the label to see if you're approved to do that. But would it help the burn down, the dry down, the desiccation? Yes, but I, I'm just, I, I can't recommend that when I, I, I don't know for sure that that's, that's allowed. So check the label. If you're going to try something, as long as it's label approved, try it on a small scale and go from there. And certainly for anybody listening today, if you have any experience with this, call us or email us, send us a note on Twitter, whatever, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see if anybody's got any suggestions for us or if anybody's had any experience with that. All right, what you got next, Aaron? All right, I got a couple of fields here, and here's tissue samples for you. One field is owned, one field is rented, and they did a little different fertility work on it. 
Uh, this is from Tim in New Jersey. He said, I got a couple of fields here I'm sending you tissue samples for. And Tim's got a relatively long email, but I'm just going to pull out a couple of sentences here that I think are important. He said, what I don't understand is why when I did a foliar application on the ground that I own, it was less effective than the same application was on other farms. It's like I can only get the manganese on the plant and not into the plant. And I'm just wondering... With the field that I own, I did dry applications, variable rate, to build the soil up to 50 parts per million manganese, and I'm still short. My foliar app doesn't seem to be helping, but my rented ground that is very deficient in manganese, when I just did a foliar app, it actually got into the plant. What, what do you think was different? Do you think my higher levels of calcium and potassium could potentially be blocking out the manganese in the one field? Yep, that's certainly possible. The other thing is nobody knows exactly what you need for soil test levels, or I should say tissue test levels, quite frankly, on anything. Now, there are a lot of people that are going to give you suggested levels, but nobody knows for sure. And the more you research this, the more you figure it out, the more you'll find out on your farm, hey, these are the kind of levels I need. So anyway, I would just tell you, don't get too discouraged, but with that dry manganese, it may take a little time to get into your plants. It, yes, may be getting tied up in the soil. There, there, there are a lot of different factors that are going on here. Every field is a little different, and I'm going to assume your soil tests look a lot different and hopefully look a lot better on your, on your owned ground than your rented ground. So maybe that's why the foliar is giving you more response on the, on the rented. But I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to it. But at the end of the day, honestly, I don't care what my manganese levels are in the plant. Nobody does. What we care about is yield. So hopefully your yield turns out great, even though your manganese tissue tests are not looking so hot right now. All right. Thanks, Tim. Really appreciate the question. Get this from Wayne. He said, I'm a small garden, a small gardener planting vegetable crops, and I do a lot of cover crops to help improve my soil. Watching tons of videos, everyone's talking about the ways to terminate cover crops, whether that be roller crimping, flailing, or herbicide, but nobody's talking about safe herbicides to use for different crops. Naturally, for vegetable planting, I don't want to have a herbicide residue left in my soil for the next year. I'm worried about glyphosate having lasting effects in the soil. Oh, boy. And I'm also wondering if there are herbicides that could be safely used in vegetable production. Glyphosate has no lasting effects in the soil. We've tried ridiculously high rates, like literally hundreds of times more than what you should be doing. No impact on the soil, no impact on the crop, no also, negative impact on nutrients, no problem at we've all. We've also got fields we've sprayed glyphosate on for 25 years, and they're super high Fantastic, fantastic. So no, don't worry about the glyphosate thing. But in terms of safe herbicides, glyphosate's one of the safest herbicides you can possibly get. Glyphosate right. works on an enzyme found only in plants. So let's it would take 28 times more glyphosate to kill you than caffeine. Glyphosate's been proven not to cause cancer. It doesn't have negative impacts, but if you're worried about it, don't use it. Do something else. And by the way, with cover crops, you can terminate them if they are if all the growing points are above ground, which they are on broadleaf plants, if you cut it below the lowest growing point, it's dead. So don't forget that. If all you have out there is broadleaves for cover crops like turnips and radishes and things like that, I, I mean anything, um, a legume, whatever, it, it cut it off at the ground level or just below and you're done. So, you, I mean, you don't even have to use a herbicide. 
And you could also go out there. We were talking earlier in the show about liquid 28%. There are a lot of dumb things that we've done and killed stuff. <laughs> Do some of the, the dumb things. <laughs> Put on lots of liquid fertilizer. or I mean, there are other alternatives besides herbicides if you want to go that way. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. we got Sam out in the state of Washington with us. Sam, thanks for calling in. Hello, Hello. Sam. Hey, Derek. Yes, how you doing? I'm doing okay. A little, little shocked out here. Been pulling some soil tests in a field. We had some beans that are really uneven, double crop behind green peas. And uh, I would say typically the the pH in uh, this general area is probably seven two seven six. Uh, to help diagnose what was wrong wrong with these beans, we went and pulled soil samples in the good spots, and we called them the COVID. And uh, in the COVID spots, we had five six pH. In the other, we had seven six, the good. And the beans are literally dying. They're dry beans and five six, high, and they're showing high iron and boron numbers. Okay. High iron and high uh, boron. So okay, so just so I I, I heard this correctly, five point six and the beans are dying. Seven point six and they look yeah. fine. Yeah, they're they're blooming at seven six and they're literally dying at five six. And by beans, what kind of beans are we talking about here? Pinto's. 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 Got dry it. Beans. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I'm thinking about herbicides, very, Sam, because. Oh. Uh, herbicides go. had the uh, chemical reps out. It was Outlook Prowl, yeah. Post Plant, Pre Emerge. Uh, no root damage, no swelling of the. How about P- How about herbicide earlier this year and thinking, last year? Yeah, I was thinking at least last year and maybe even two years uh, ago. Potatoes. Potatoes last year uh, would have had probably Matrix on them. Uh, maybe there you a go. Bit of Ooh, okay, great, uh, great comment, Sam. I'll tell you what, we're up against a commercial break. Just hang on a second. We'll uh, we'll get to more of that question because I think we may already be on to something here. We'll catch that right after this break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. When it comes to competitive herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Weedmaster, Patriot, and Diablo for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rose? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean and weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down in long-lasting residual powers, making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. Right before the break, we were talking to Sam from out in Washington about his issue in low pH. He's got dead pintos or dying pinto beans, and in high pH he does not. Low is 5.6, high is 7.6. So, Sam, I mean, the best we can come up with so far is, yes, there could be excessive iron. At, at those kind of pHs, we'll see iron, possibly sometimes even copper, manganese, zinc, cobalt, nickel, those kind of things, uh, causing an issue. It would have to be lower pH yet to get aluminum toxicities. But could be iron, could be iron tying something up. But we were, we were talking about the herbicide. With Matrix, that is a sulfonylurea, and that actually breaks down faster in low pH grounds. That's not really our answer. What else was used for herbicide in the last couple of years on that field? Uh, it was alfalfa before potatoes. Uh, so it would have had Velpar or Sencor before that. Uh, the, the reason it was making me lean more towards the low pH and, and the iron issue was... I knew the grower that had it in the alfalfa before, and he told me it was uh, his worst yielding fields. And we've been running into this this year. I've been finding some patchy areas of new planting alfalfa that just don't take off. And every time we've sampled it, it's been low pH, which is extremely rare for the soils in our area. So, but there, there's patches and fields that are showing that pH. And, and the petioles came back. Uh, I don't have the iron number off the top of my head, but it's through the roof as well as the boron in the, the, the COVID areas or the bad areas. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing how that pH can make such a difference. And, and you're right. If, if you're not used to dealing with a low pH, one of the things that I look at is what's going on. Why do we have a low pH? Have we got compaction in those spots? Have we got an overuse of nitrogen or anything like that in those spots? Well, what I had found in some earlier fields that had been alfalfa was a lot of uh, timothy and rotation where, or where they tried no tilling in and you have a lot of nitrogen use and uh, all those roots, my thought was the roots from all the timothy, there's a solid mass there yep. and maybe they were creating a, a kind of like a no-till uh, you've talked about before in a no-till zone, uh, 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 low pH in that zone. So that was kind of my guess what might be happening. This field's been is deep ripped for potatoes, fumigated. Uh, what, what's uh, funny, you know, it's not funny, but uh, it makes sense to me is uh, the low pH areas actually have higher fertility than the high pH areas. Well, and this is one of those things too, Sam, when, when we broadcast fertilizer, and we certainly were guilty of this on our farm for years and years and years, and, and we really do like variable rate fertility for that reason. If you've got an area of the field that that's on, like – corn farming i know you raise some corn but and with corn farming you see on your yield monitor oh i got 200 bushel here and only 100 bushel in that part of the field well you only put 100 bushel worth of fertility on the next crop so you aren't skyrocketing up those nutrient levels in the poor parts of the field unfortunately the way we used to do it on our farm and still a lot of farms get done this way it's a broadcast right across the whole farm and you're right if it doesn't yield well you're going to see those nutrient levels rising up in those parts of the field uh, the the metribuse, and I know when you said metribuse, and I thought, oh, wait a second, and the high pH spot that should be a problem. That's not a necessarily a problem in that that. Uh, it's not going to carry pH. over anyway. I mean, no. yes, some of the no, other triazines like atrazine, maybe Velpar, maybe, but not not metribuse, and that's leaching out. Yeah. So coming back to the alfalfa thing, let's talk about that really quick. So there actually are, and this is why we talk so much about small grid samples, even if you only want to do it once every 10 years, I don't care. But we do find in Washington state, lots of low pH spots and it crushes alfalfa production. I mean, if you're at a 5.6 alfalfa production or or soil pH, you're raising almost nothing for alfalfa. And then it just becomes a compounding problem. So if you have poor growth with one crop, then you have less soil organic matter in that spot. A lot of times you have less, uh, fewer soil microbes that are living there, which means then you have more carryover issues and you don't have as many beneficials there to support the next crop. I, I mean, yeah, I don't have an exact answer for you, but pH is part of what's going on there. I don't know entirely why, but I would do everything I can to raise that pH up. Now, as we say that, if you're on five acre grids or you're on zones, here's a problem that happened to us because we were going out doing five acre grids or in some cases, big zones. And we said, oh, we've got low pH. Let's go put lime on. Well, not the entire zone or not the entire grid needed lime. And lime in Washington state is expensive. So we don't want you to put it on where you don't want or need it. So I would suggest wherever you're finding some of these low pH spots to do more analysis of that and just get that lime where you need it, get that pH up, and hopefully that in itself is going to fix things over time. So uh, moving forward, uh, I talked with them about putting some wheat or like a triticalium this yep. this fall. Maybe they could green chop it or yep. something next year. Uh, I mean, we're to the point where we think 
maybe 60% of the field is, is possibly affected. Oh, wow. And not even going to harvest the bean crop. It's it's that severe. Yep. Uh, so uh, we were thinking of waiting about water the crop, continue to water the crop. Hope we get some uh, moist soils help break down the raptor that went on with the bassagran about 10 days ago. Uh, try to break that down a little bit. Okay. Uh, oh. it. Yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt you, but when you brought up Raptor and low pH, Raptor carries over much more in low pH than it does in high pH. So that can be a problem for a future crop in those low pH spots. So with small grains, wheat, triticale, they are somewhat sensitive to Pursuit and Raptor. So in those low pH spots, they are probably not going to do exceptionally well. Can you get some growth out there? Yes. Are you going to get a lot? Probably not. Yeah, our thought, we're just trying to get something to cover, highly erodible soil, yeah, real yeah, yeah. sandy. Uh, just trying to figure it about in a month's time we'd have enough time to get the lime on and then sure. uh, incorporate it and then try to get some wheat, wheat going in there or something for a cover crop. Yeah, yep, okay. So. All right. Well, good luck, Sam. Yeah, sorry we don't have a fantastic answer, but obviously it's tied to that low soil pH. I don't know entirely why. I mean, we do see lots of carryover issues when we've got those kind of pH variances, but you didn't tell us anything that, you know, throws up a big red flag where we go, oh, whoa, yeah, there you go. Uh, but nevertheless, if you get some lime out there, get those pHs up at least a little bit. And you certainly don't have to or even want to go all the way up to 7.6, but you do want to get into the mid-sixes. That's going to make a difference. Perfect. On, on a lighter uh, texture soil, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of liming here. I actually have, uh, I know the person that owns a lime company about 200 miles away. What kind of rate at 5.6? Are you guys thinking off the top of your head? Well, it doesn't take a lot of lime on a lighter textured soil. What you're after is the buffer index. And then you can go use formulas on the buffer index. And so, yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know because I don't know what what your... Yeah, what your buffer index is or anything, but you can certainly send us a soil test and we could tell you. Otherwise, I'm sure the lime people tell you too. My main point here is just don't overdo it on the lime. It takes lime, you know, some time to break down and you don't want to spend any more than you have to. And very often we'll see the pH go up a little bit the first year and maybe just a little bit more the second and third years. And then you get yourself in good shape. All right. All right. Thank you for your time. You bet. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Right, got uh, an email from Howard who sent a picture of a couple packets of seed that his farm received that came from China unsolicited. <laughs> he said, have you seen any of this? Well, if, by now I think everybody's heard about this, that there have been some seeds going around. And Let's see, most- what were they talking about, mustard and uh, morning glory or something? But, I mean, it's a wide variety of seed. Why did it get sent? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. Take it to your... Uh, extension office or department of ag and let them deal with it i got one from darren he said i heard you talking about uh foam on the show you had a great show really appreciate it and i will continue to spread the word thanks darren uh get this one wait from, foam on the show i'm not exactly sure i think it was was uh things foaming up in the spray tank <laughs> but uh this one came from monty he said my sweet corn is fairly consistent in regards to ear height but my indian corn ears range from four to eight, eight feet off the ground Maybe the ear height variance is partially due to uneven emergence, but I feel like genetics play a big role in that too. Can we come up with a different name for it (laughs) in our cancel culture? Uh, Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) 
All right. Thanks for the question. <laughs> really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of things that play into how that crop's going to look and the consistency of it out in the field, no doubt about it. Oh, and Jeff had one comment. He said, you were talking about absent warm mud the other day. My cows and pigs don't eat it. Good to know, Jeff. Appreciate you sharing that. Right. I'd agree with that on that weed. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.